0: As a
1: professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
2: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact.
3: This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm John saying. This is SiriusXM Progress. You're listening to Tell Me Everything, the little show at What the Hell O'Clock that brings good trouble to the right-wing bubble. And we're so glad to have you guys with us for the next few hours. We've got a great one tonight. Chris Houseltz, our executive producer in the beautiful state of South Carolina. The great Thea Harper is our producer out of Brooklyn. The great Max Burns is here to talk about this incredible fuckery going on in Alabama. Maybe you heard about it by now. We're going to do a deep dive with Max over how, more or less, the Alabama Republican Party has decided uh, that they're going to choose white supremacy and deliberate underrepresentation of black taxpaying citizens over following the law. Like, really? Like, a judge said they can't do it, and the Supreme Court said they can't do it. They're going to do it anyway. Right in the open. We are in crazy times. Listen, guys, we're in an amazing time. We're about to witness Donald Trump facing indictment in four separate jurisdictions. If you ever feel overwhelmed, if you ever feel like you just can't get out of bed in the morning, if it ever just feels kind of like, oh, Lord, where, where, where's my place in all this? Look, every time I doubt myself, I just remind myself that I'm a straight white male with no idea of what I'm talking about. And then the confidence just comes. It's crazy. Let's do a show. I'm so glad you're with us, and I'm so glad we've all survived this week. A concentrated sphere of heat, known as a heat dome, has been in charge of these incredibly high temperatures. Over the next coming weeks, the heat dome is going to reach from the west coast to the east coast. It's going to head northward. It's going to park right in the middle of the country. Over the next 8 to 14 days, the National Weather Service is calling for above-normal temperatures nearly everywhere... In the continental U.S. Now, yeah, it's been hot all over the world. But the heat wave that we have, especially in the South and the Southwest, it's going to be here for a while. And tonight's show is dedicated to Tony Bennett, who I got to meet in 1998 backstage at the Grammy Awards. And I got to tell you, the thing about Tony Bennett, I, you, you never would meet him. If you ever met him, you instantly hung out with him. I can't explain it. You just start talking and suddenly you're telling yourself, I'm hanging out with Tony Bennett. He has left us today at the age of 96 in New York. There was no specific cause of death. He was diagnosed with Alzheimer's a couple of years ago. He was the son of a grocer and a seamstress. He was once demoted in the military for having dinner with a black friend. He hunted Nazis. He helped liberate prisoners in Dachau. He became an anti-war activist. He became a bona fide pacifist after the war. He marched with Martin Luther King in Selma and Harry Belafonte. He promoted so many African-American musicians... And at 95, just last year, he did two sold-out shows at Radio City Music Hall right across from our studio with Lady Gaga, his final public performances. If you ever got to see him live, I don't need to tell you, but we're going to play some of his music tonight. I had the great pleasure of watching him perform a concert, and Paul McCartney came out, and they did The Very Thought of You together. I saw Tony Bennett come out at the Grammys with a full orchestra. Just, I mean, even with a tiny jazz combo or a full orchestra, do yourself a favor play some of the hits but also listen to the mtv unplugged record honestly along with the jay-z unplugged the tony bennett unplugged is one of the most creative uses of that show's format and the music still sounds great now one more thing we got to talk about and this is uh this is going to be a big story in florida we know the middle schoolers are now going to be taught how slaves developed skills which in some cases could be applied for personal benefit As one part of their syllabus. Florida is engaging in a war on education, a war on history, a war on reality itself. They're trying to teach children that slavery was good. That slaves developed skills which they could use in their personal benefit. You know, when they got their resume together to work elsewhere. It's implying they were compensated. It's literally using the arm of public education to indoctrinate children to find slavery more acceptable. And it ain't going to work. I have been waiting for something for them to let Kamala Harris go crazy on. Speaking today in Florida, here is the vice president sharing a lot of people's outrage over these new guidelines on black history education from FLA.
4: They want to replace history with lies middle school students in Florida, to be told that enslaved people benefited from slavery. (laughs) High schoolers may be taught that victims of violence, of massacres, were also perpetrators. I said it yesterday. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not have it.
3: So let's talk for a bit about delays. Uh, that's going to be the theme, I think, for the next year and a half of our political entertainment industrial complex. You already know that earlier this week, a federal judge denied Donald Trump's motion to delay the next phase of the Gene Carroll trial. Uh, judge also came out and said very plainly, Donald Trump is a rapist. We we had that this week. Uh, we live at a time when judges are having to say things that judges never should have had to say, ever. I mean, a judge actually had to come out and say Donald Trump is a rapist, which is great, because if you're autocorrect, you're trying to say racist and it goes to rape. you're 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 fine either way. You can go with either one of those consonants. And of course, this week we had a judge say that a president paying money to a porn star had nothing to do with his abilities as president. It's bonkers. I know. But in all of these cases of Donald Trump, and it's all we're going to hear, especially in the next few weeks in summer when it's slow news and this is all the TV's feeding us. But you got to remember one thing with all these cases. It's always about the delay. He tries to obfuscate everything, and he's used a strategy his entire life. Delay, 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 delay until you find the way to weasel out. He tried it earlier this week with the Eugene Carroll case, and the judge smacked him down. Today, he kind of got away with it. Not as far as he wanted to. But let's talk about the politics of Donald Trump and delays, because today, federal judge Aileen Cannon, who was appointed by Donald Trump, keep that in mind this entire time. Judge Cannon has set the court date for his trial for mishandling the classified documents. It's going to begin May 20th, 2024 in Fort Pierce, Florida. She just handed Donald Trump a five month delay. She gave a seven page order rejecting the Department of Justice's request to have the trial a lot sooner because they're ready. Right. They've got they've got everything. She said, nope, it's very complicated to handle such national secrets. It's going to be the most closely watched trial in American history. Now, again, this is not the January 6th trial. This is Trump, who is accused of mishandling top secret documents that he had no right to have in his possession after he left the White House. And then he cooked up this big conspiracy to cover it up when the feds came looking for their property. And he had his butler who gets him Diet Coke's who's now also facing charges for moving these boxes of classified materials to hide them from investigators and from his own lawyers who were compelled to testify to the grand jury against him. It's that case. And he tried to delay. Guys, it's been three years. When this trial finally happens in May, it'll be three years and eight months since he left office. Okay? Like, that's a delay. The first federal trial will be three years and eight months after he left. Jack Smith and the prosecutors wanted to put Trump up this year. They wanted it to happen in December to resolve the matter because it's going to be a two week trial. And brothers and sisters, let me assure you, it's going to be a short trial, a very short trial. Originally, they had it for mid-August. Judge Cannon moved that, said the interests of justice served by this continuance outweigh the best interests of the public and defendants in a speedy trial. Pushed it back five months right in the middle. Right. The feds wanted it in December. Trump wanted it. After the presidential election in November of May 2024, it's going to be May 2024. This means the DOJ won't get to try the case as they'd hoped. But some say it's a setback for Trump. I'm not so sure. I mean, sure, it's a setback. He, he wanted to delay it all the way to the election because after the election, he would oversee the DOJ. And this charge will go away. But have you thought about the fact that why would an innocent guy not want a quick trial? I mean, think about it. If you're innocent... Don't you want the speedy trial right away? You're, you're ready, right? You want to answer the charges. You, do you want to give the government another year to build their case? The trial date of May of next year is perfect for Trump. Because if he gets one more delay after that, it's past election day. And watch to see if Judge Cannon gives him that. This today, <laughs> it seems like a compromise. But that's only if it's the first delay. It's a two week trial and it's going to take place at Judge Cannon's tiny satellite courthouse in Fort Pierce, Florida, with no cameras. If the timing stays and it really starts next May, this is going to come in the middle of the campaign for the White House, in the middle of the primary, well, past most states primaries, but before the convention. She should have said it earlier, but it will be months before November 2024. So people, when they vote, will know if they're voting for a convicted felon or an innocent man. And they'll have the option to vote for the convicted felon. That's why it's brilliant. Now, Biden and the White House, you know, they're not talking about this. They have a very calculated silence on it. There's a good piece in um, Politico about this today. The decision is rooted in the president's promise to not intervene with the DOJ. And it looks like this will be the strategy. And it makes sense. There's going to be plenty of people out there talking about Donald Trump and his legal problems. This is why most Democrats in 2018 didn't talk about Russia. They talked about health care and education. The media is going to cover the trials. The media is going to talk about Trump's crimes. The White House has to talk about the issues. Biden has to get off stage and let the conversation be about Trump's criminality. Now, again, Trump could be indicted any day now in the other federal case. With January sixth, and that's where you got to watch as well, because again, it's all about the delays, right? Now, in that case, they're not really defending Trump, but what they are saying is, hey, there was nothing illegal about challenging the election results. What's the problem with that? Some Congress people and the president we wanted to we wanted to challenge the election results. We had legitimate questions. There's nothing, and yeah, there's nothing illegal about that. But here's the deal: it became illegal when Mike Pence got drafted to somehow get magical Hogwarts powers to send the votes back to the states and do what? Do what? Delay counting the electoral votes. It's all about delays with these people. That's what January 6th was about. That's what the new trial's about. That's what E. Jean Carroll's about. And of course, in the case of Mike Pence, the only way they could delay it was what? If they handed in alternate slates of electors. We've been through this. The swing states that had some kind of cloud over over who was who was the real candidate who won. And there was never any doubt about who won in every state. There was no doubt. There were people who said there were doubts. But again, at Donald Trump's direction, the White House worked with various GOP scumbag operatives and they signed false documents forgeries falsely declaring themselves the duly elected slates of electors for their states and the michigan da just yesterday indicted 13 of them (laughs) again you have to remember donald trump does most of these crimes with a large assortment of confederates and associates and it's so nice to see them well grab him by the posse they were going to bring these false documents to dc and they were going to get them in the hands of mike pence and then mike pence wouldn't go along with it in the end he called dan quayle and democracy was saved by Dan Quayle. But but here's the question. Even if it didn't happen, were laws still broken? I mean, is a failed conspiracy somehow legal? I mean, the people in Michigan are under arrest. They tried to do it. And the very fact that the Michigan DA indicted 13 people means that shit just got real for Donald Trump's second federal case. The Trump White House was pushing their story of a rigged election... And they kept telling all the state legislatures there was that 300 person Zoom call that Trump did to decertify their results based on claims that they knew were bullshit. And we know from the January 6th committee last year that Trump knew he lost. You can't decertify presidential election results after account has been given to Congress. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. They were making it up as they went along, and they kept thinking they could delay, 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 and then use the fog of confusion to keep the White House. We know Trump admitted to his aides he had lost the election, but he kept pushing the lie. And we know the team kept pushing the state legislators with the conspiracies, even though Rudy Giuliani was getting laughed out of court every day. They were pushing election lies to be true, to invalidate, American votes that's why it's a crime section 242 it was all about the delay like the delay he was denied today or at least the half delay the plan John Eastman said was to raise enough suspicion to get Pence to agree to just delaying certifying for 10 days on January 6th the goal was to get Pence to say we need to wait 10 days To buy Trump and the lawyers some time to get whatever kind of chaos they could get going at the state level in the legislatures. January 6th attack was about a delay. When Trump said, fight like hell, fight like hell. It was about delaying the whole thing. Because Trump loved what was happening. We know it. We know he was watching on TV and loved the terrorist attack at our Capitol. And Congress had to adjourn out of safety concerns. He tried to get the delay, but they came back that night and it didn't work. The mob was doing what Trump had wanted, to delay the vote past January 6th so we could leave it up in the air who the real president was. And then they go out there and flood the courts and flood the media and try to steal it. That's why this corrupt obstruction of Congress. (laughs) David French has a good piece in the New York Times about how the law is closing around Trump. How courts and prosecutors in real time and under huge pressure are, quote, meeting out justice to the participants and establishing a series of legal precedents that will stand as enduring deterrence to a future rebellion. Folks, the 13 people who got indicted this week for the false elector scheme will be part of the reason why Donald Trump will never be president again. Of course, we have to see what happens with Judge Cannon. She's having this in this her little tiny courtroom, no cameras allowed. I don't think that's very good for democracy. But if this date holds for the other trial in May, for the documents, it's it's good enough. Getting to trial before the Republican National Convention is the goal. But if it gets delayed until after the election, you know what happens if he wins. If she grants more delays and lets the trial go after the election, well, Then what's the election? But really, we're all voting for a reality show on whether Donald Trump goes to jail or not. And that could completely backfire and lead to an incredible blue wave. Think about it. We might all go to the polls in 2024, Biden against Trump all over again. But we'll know that if we vote for Trump, Trump doesn't go to jail and if we vote for Biden, <laughs> we get to watch Trump go to jail. Folks, we have some bored people in America. We get very bored when it comes election time. We voted George Bush's son in because a product brand name loyalty. People voted for Donald Trump because they thought he'd be more entertaining to watch than Hillary Clinton. And by God, they may have been right in a satanic kind of way. But if the election choice of 2024 is I don't just vote for Biden to have a second term. I vote for Trump to actually go to trial and be behind bars. Blue wave, baby. We'll see what happens, and we want to know what you guys think. But Judge Cannon has proven that only in America can a rich boy grow up to be a criminal who gets to appoint his own goddamn trial judge. I mean, how did that happen? we got to hit a quick one. Uh, We'll be right back with Max Burns. We are at 866-997-4748.
5: Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcast on, because you know I love it when you do.
3: I'm John saying This is SiriusXM Progress. One. So you probably heard already that the Republican legislature of Alabama passed some maps today that completely, completely disregarded the directive of a lower federal court um and completely disregarded the directive of the U.S. Supreme Court, that they were supposed to have two districts with a black voting age majority or something relatively close to it. Uh, the legislature, it turns out, over the complete objection of all Democrats, decided they prefer white supremacy over the illusion of law and order for more let's go to the great max burns a public relations society of america award-winning democratic strategist and political columnist he's worked with so many great campaigns and companies you've read his stuff all over or seen him all over from the daily beast to news nation to nbc news to serious xm progress mr burns how good to have you back welcome hey thanks so much for having me Thanks for being had. You were commenting on this a lot today on uh, Twitter, which is still a thing um, and about what we just witnessed. I mean, Alabama Republicans justifying Trump's Supreme Court by passing this new map. Can they do that? How how brazen is this?
6: This is incredible. I mean, this harkens back to the segregation days where states were just straight up refusing to integrate their schools i mean clearly this just drives home the point here for everyone that the supreme court has no legitimacy democrats don't think it does republicans clearly don't think the supreme court is legitimate because they're disregarding a direct court order to create a second black majority district in alabama so the question i have is what other things can we disregard can Democratic governors now just ignore all of the uh, the DC versus Heller gun decisions.
3: Thank you. Can My we exact get, can we
6: bring Roe back just by fiat like this? Because we are now in a very dangerous place.
3: Is it true that Kevin McCarthy actually reached out um, to the legislature in Alabama and warned them that? This could hurt the Republicans' chances next year. I mean, it's not like Alabama' is going to suddenly have be overrun by Democrats if these two majority black districts are allowed to vote that
6: way. Well, this is what I think really shocked me is that not only did the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy and Senator Tuberville call lawmakers and urge them to ignore the Supreme Court, they explicitly said and and on the record in some of these articles, that following the law would be harmful to the Republicans holding the majority next year. So given the choice between obeying the law and doing what's right for Republicans, as we've always known, they've done what's right for Republicans. And they're not even particularly hidden about this. I mean, it's, it's very clear what's happening here. And it's all based on the fact that Kevin has the slimmest of majorities. So every single seat is going to matter and they are more than willing to ride over the court when it suits them
3: this is this is really crazy i mean the supreme court had reaffirmed the federal court and it was very simple you 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 have to have these two districts where your tax paying black citizens make up the majority of voting age adults and and they just don't have to do that i guess i mean they they've done this political theater and now it's going to come down to the federal courts right now it'll be taken out of their hands and apparently federal district court panels will draw the map for them i wonder how that's going to play out
6: and this is again you know not the way that democracy is supposed to function the the courts shouldn't be drawing maps uh but this is because of an incredible amount of dysfunction in our process But the fact is, I mean, this was so blatantly racist the first time it came up that the John Roberts court, a guy who is no friend to the Voting Rights Act, John Roberts himself gutted the Voting Rights Act in Shelby County v. Holder in 2018, even his courts or 2013. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, And even his court said, my God, this is indefensibly racist, even by the lowered standards we've set. And for Alabama to just say we're not going to follow that, it reeks of court nullification that led to the Civil War. And while it's not going to be that same outcome, it does show you how deeply toxified our political culture has become.
3: This is so toxic, we're defending the Roberts Court. Like, this is so toxic, we're saying, no, the, the Roberts Court did the right thing. I mean, walk me through this, Mr. Burns. They, 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 they broke the law when they drafted this map originally, and they got sued. And and they lost the suit, and so they they went to Supreme Court, and they lost that, and now that they finally have to follow the law, after being smacked down by two separate courts, they announce they won't. I don't see this ending well.
6: No, it's certainly going to become another legal fight, and it is evidence that republicans are increasingly nervous about their majorities they know they cannot win in a free and fair democratic system there is no other way well i mean they can in alabama
3: sir that's what they can win in alabama like democrats are going to be as powerless at alabama as they've always been they just might have two democratic representatives instead of one
6: well that's the thing right republicans now they want the whole thing it's not enough to just dilute black representation in Alabama. They want to er erase it entirely. And this is a state where, where black voters should in fair maps have about half the seats, but they have to make do with one now. And this is not the first time this has been practiced, but it is certainly the first time that a state in unison with the governor has dared the Supreme Court to do something about it. And unless the Supreme Court And quite frankly, unless the White House takes federal action here and makes clear that this is an unacceptable attack on free elections, uh, Republicans may get away with it.
3: But what could the White House do? I mean, you you believe that the DOJ Civil Rights Division could get in there and, and argue that black citizens are being disenfranchised in violation of the Supreme Court order.
6: Yeah, I mean, there's a very clear case that even with what little we have left of the VRA, black alabamians are being completely diluted in their voice i mean when we talk about systemic racism that's what we mean a state literally using the levers of its power to erase franchise from black voters because they worry that it threatens their power and what what we can do we've seen that the doj has been very active under merrick garland in civil rights cases the civil rights division gutted under trump has really been a priority And well, there's no way for the White House to redraw a map for the legislature. It can certainly create uh, legal challenges that will draw injunctions and potentially prevent this from going into effect. Uh, Fortunately, we have enough time for the courts to do these maps. But this is not the way that this country was supposed to operate. Republicans know it and they don't care.
3: Well, that's what terrifies me, Max, is how many other states are watching to see if Alabama can actually get away with pulling this off, because we know there's plenty of states that would love to try this bit of audacious fuckery on their own. You um, pointed out something very good in your in your uh, thread, which is on, on, on Twitter, which people still use, it's still a, it's still a thing, um, where you you know you say when we talk about an idea like systemic racism, there's hardly a better example than an entire state refusing to acknowledge a U.S. Supreme Court order because it would fairly enfranchise. Black residents, And I think Democrats need to hone on this. And this should become a very famous story by election day of next year, Max, because that's all this is about. This is all about making sure black people don't have adequate representation. That's that literally. And it just feeds into the entire white supremacist narrative. This is just like it Ron does. DeSantis. This is just like Greg Abbott putting barbed wire in the river. This is Confederate states going outside of the law to preserve a white majority as 2045 approaches when Caucasians become a minority in the country overall.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's and it's very clear that this isn't just about preventing new districts. It's about restricting and further diluting the power that black voters in Alabama already have. And that's going to be, I think, where the courts really nail it, is if you look at District 7, which is Terry Sewell, uh, she remains in that seat. It's the only majority black district. But this new map cut her black population from 55.6 percent to 50.6 percent, essentially taking five percent of her voters, dispersing them out among other Republican congressmen who don't care about their issues, think that they're a problem and are not going to represent them. And that's the core. The The congressional seats are a bonus for Kevin McCarthy. But the fact that Alabama lawmakers will no longer have to even pretend to care about the issues of black voters because they're not powerful enough to win. That's where the power is. It's the same thing that happened in segregation. And it's the same thing that states are lining up to do again.
3: Well, and also, Max Burns, it's the same thing that Ron DeSantis got away with doing with the fifth voting district in Florida. It went from Tallahassee to Jacksonville, majority black. Uh, DeSantis has said, well, it's gerrymandered. We, they redrew the maps and they put the fifth in Jacksonville and then the second in the rest of the panhandle. Essentially, they took a district with majority black voters and eliminated it. And those uh, the voters were absorbed into two larger majority white demographics and completely diluted the black vote. And DeSantis got away with it. He did it right in the open. Everyone knew what he was doing. Two years ago, there was an African-American congressman representing Florida's fifth district. Now the district doesn't exist and there's not a lot of black Democratic congressmen. I mean, if DeSantis can get away with it, why shouldn't Alabama try?
6: And we see it everywhere. I mean, we see in in Kentucky where they did what's called congressional district cracking, where they took urban districts that had a majority black community and then split them up in two or three ways to become component parts of more conservative districts. And what what I think is really essential to remember here is that the court is absolutely clear. Their exact words were that this must contain two majority black districts. Not should, not if you can do it. It's a must. It is a legal requirement. So Republicans decision to not even humor that really does show you how far off democracy they've gone.
3: You're right. We are uh, with the great Max Burns here at SiriusXM. Our number is 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Didn't know if you had any thoughts about uh, the former guy, Max. It's certainly been an interesting week. Uh, the delay with it, trying to delay it with Gene Carroll didn't work this week. And trying to delay it with Judge Cannon, uh, it kind of worked. They, they gave him five months.
6: Yeah, they didn't give him everything he wanted. And I'm I'm one of these that has the somewhat unpopular opinion that the May trial is actually pretty reasonable. I mean, it addresses it many sticks. of the if it sticks. And it, it the reason I think it will is because she's done this in a way that already sort of anticipates many of the delays for document processing and requests that the teams are going to make. And 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 they're going to say, we've given you plenty of time here. I mean, she is by any measure given quite a bit of deference to Donald Trump I'm not yet concerned that that verges over into any kind of bias, but I do think that Donald Trump is worried about this. He came out today or he came out yesterday saying that he never understood subpoenas before. He's had to learn them now uh, that he's (laughs) doing this for you, that this is, you know, just basically attempting to delegitimize this again because he knows what's coming. And we're, we're now in an odd situation where in the next couple of weeks, we may get these January 6th indictments from Jack Smith. And then within, A week or two after that, we're going to get Georgia coming in. And there is now every indication that Georgia is going to come down hard in the same way that Michigan did on these fake electors who clearly violated crimes knowingly. And now Jack Smith is sort of laying the groundwork for these state cases of saying, here's how you look at this. Here's how to build this narrative of intent. And so it's no surprise that these cases are suddenly getting a lot more solid. Because they're they're co- coordinating in a way that Robert Mueller was never legally allowed to.
3: It's really true. And they're staggering them in a very smart, productive way as well. I mean, you know, Donald Trump likes to tell the gullibles that he is their retribution. But the reality is, Max, the, the gullibles are his shield. They are his only hope at getting the White House and dismissing the charges against him for his own crimes. I mean, I've never once ever seen a presidential campaign where the theme was keep me out of jail 2024
6: yeah and it really that is explicitly the message i mean he's no longer even fainting to the idea that he would not pardon himself i mean this is a guy who's allowed his senior staff to release on the record stories about exactly what they're going to do if he wins they're going to get rid of the civil service they're going to defund much of the department of justice they're going to remove Huge amounts of employees from the federal government and either replace them with loyalists or just not replace them at all. I mean, we're talking about rebuilding the federal government in Donald Trump's image in a way that our country, quite frankly, has never experienced anything close to. And I don't think a lot of voters have fully realized that yet.
3: Oh, no, you're right. He's going to be like the Empire taking over in Star Wars, and they're just going to, like, you know, turn over the treasury to the huts and let gangsters run things, um, which would be great for comedy value, but I don't think Donald Trump's ever going to take the oath of office again. And, Max, I... I don't think Governor Ron DeSantis will be taking the oath of office in 2025 either. You you just launched a, a, a new YouTube channel for Third Degree, and you have a very fun video breaking down, um, as you call it, the incredibly weird campaign of Ron DeSantis. Did you discover anything new making this video, Mr. Burns? Uh, what What stands out the most to you about the entertainment value of the DeSantis campaign?
6: I think what's so compelling here is that for a lot of grassroots voters, they viewed Ron DeSantis as sort of the best chance to topple Donald Trump. But you dig into it a little bit and you realize his donors, uh, his senior staff even, I have had doubts from the beginning that he was up for this kind of a challenge, but put that aside because he could raise a lot of money. I mean, he got millionaire, billionaire mega donors to give him huge sums of money ahead of his announcement, essentially gambling that he would be good at this. And when it came out that he's much the same Ron DeSantis he is in Florida— but Iowa and New Hampshire are much less Florida than Florida is.
3: Very true. That
6: that really screwed the campaign because he has no plan B or plan C or plan D. And even now, this week, his attempts to say he's not going to talk about Florida anymore lasted three hours before he started to threaten Bud Light with lawsuits in Florida. I, know, I mean, he I has policy message to talk about. His policy people left the campaign this week. I mean, he's got nobody.
3: I, I I just can't wait for the, the Gitmo torture narrative to finally come to fruition. Um, Mr. Burns, while I still have you on the phone, uh, the president's had a good couple of weeks. Went very well in Lithuania last week. Uh, we are doing better at recovering from COVID and inflation than any of the other G7 nations. Unemployment at levels we haven't seen since the moon landing. And the media is awash with articles about how none of this is translating to support from the public. Barack Obama went through the same thing, Uh, a recovery on paper that told people things were getting better. But around the country, a lot of folks still didn't see it. It, It's undeniable that things are better. And of course, the last three Democratic presidents have left the economy better than they found it, as opposed to the last three Republican presidents. But do you see Biden getting any kind of lift in any kind of polls with all the good news? I've never seen someone get so much done and so little of it stick.
6: I mean, he's gonna have to do it himself. I mean, this is is mind-blowing. This is your so-called leftist extremist liberal media that's literally pumping out every day articles that say the economy is booming, job growth is faster than it's ever been. Here's why that doesn't matter. And if you Google up yeah. these these news outlets in the past under Donald Trump, under George W. Bush, you never got stories like that. In fact, every little bump in the positive in those economies was treated as a vindication of Republican politics. And here we have someone who's achieved more rapid and broader economic change than any president since FDR. And the only thing people can say is, well, he stumbled on the stairs the other day. It really is. That's it. A narrative that all Democrats have to get out and not just politicians, Democratic voters need to get out and tell this story to their friends, to the people in their communities. And show them the way that these things have helped their lives. Because we are not going to get any help from most of the media.
3: Yeah, you're right. Mr. Burns, what's the best way for our evil army of the night to follow you and your work?
6: You can follow me on Substack. It's maxburns.substack.com. Or I'm on Twitter at TheMaxBurns.
3: It is such a pleasure wrapping up these weeks with you on Friday, Max. You really, really class up the joint. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much and have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. We got to hit a quick break. When we get back... We're taking your calls at 866-997-4748. Let's have some us time. This is Progress. I'm John Fugel saying this is SiriusXM Progress. Right now, let's get to your calls and let's say hello to everybody who's been so patiently waiting. Wendy in Mississippi. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Hi. How are you doing?
3: Very good. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing OK. I've, I've had better days, but um, I'm doing OK.
3: OK. I hope I hope you're doing OK. What's on your mind tonight?
2: Um, I was calling because I, I just kind of feel like I think, you know, Trump gets his share of attention. And then, of course, DeSantis gets his share of attention. But I just don't think many people realize that irregardless of who the Republican nominee is, they are a danger to democracy. I think when Trump was in office, I think a lot of people, and maybe it's not so much now, a lot of people um, kind of um, felt like that Republicans were doing things because they were scared of Trump. Hmm. I've never felt that Republicans were doing things because they were scared of Trump. I've always felt they were just telling you who they are and they Hmm. were showing you who they are. People just kind of, if Trump was, it, it was easy to blame it on Trump.
3: Sure, I I, that was the case with Bush as well, you know, I always thought George Bush was the the hood ornament on the car that crashed into our country. And I feel the same way about Donald Trump. These presidents take all the blame. They're the lightning rods. And once they leave all of the associates who enabled them, who carried water for them, all of their fellow conspirators get to stay in office. Uh, Bush left, but the evil guys that propped him up stayed. Trump left and the same thing happened. I think you're right. We don't take democracy seriously in this country. We don't appreciate it. Our our, our turnouts would be much higher if we did.
2: Yes, I I was um, listening to um, gosh, I don't know. I guess this probably was on MSNBC. I was in my car, so I can't remember. I, it was on MSNBC, and mm-hmm. um, I actually spent most of my life in Tennessee. And um, whoever the uh, guest was on the show, they were talking about an article that had been written about was Tennessee still a democracy, and I was surprised, I don't know why I was surprised, but the the woman made the statement that um, the the voter participation in Tennessee was extremely extremely small, and I don't know why I was surprised when she said that, but I, I think that you are right i um I, I don't think we have taken care of i don't think we have taken care of this democracy the way that we should have yeah. i think we that it's a two-way street and i don't think most people realize that it takes the elected official but it also takes the in, informed voter
3: and, and in many I, ways that's That's the good thing Donald Trump did. I mean, 81 million people turned out to vote for Joe Biden. I don't believe they all turned out to vote for Joe Biden. I believe they turned out to vote against Donald. Not all of them, but a lot of them turned out to vote against Donald Trump. But that drives people to vote in their state and local elections as well, which is very important. So it's not complete one party control over so many southern states.
2: Well, you are correct about that. You know, and I I have to admit, I guess I've never paid as much attention. And I I don't know. Um, if that's uh, there's a reason for that. I don't know if it's the way in which we teach history. There's so much attention and focus is placed on federal elections and yeah. not enough on state it's elections. So true. So it Just kind of goes by the wayside. I, yeah. I'm really I'm really not sure exactly what it is. But
3: as I, I, said, I think I'm it's like, the, the status quo protects itself. You know, the people who don't want change tend to be the people in charge of everything. And they try to slow down any chance for change. They make it harder for black folks to vote. You know this. They got rid of all the preclearance rules. And that's why you see these incredibly long lines on African-American campuses. Uh, You don't see incredibly long lines of white people. They deliberately, systemically try to make it harder for people to vote. And they try to discourage people from voting because in democracy, they lose.
2: This is true. I, I wish that I could say that I'm surprised by what Alabama has done.
7: Yeah. Um,
2: I think I may have sarcastically, when the decision came, I may have sarcastically mumbled it to myself. I don't know how much I actually thought it would happen. But, um, I, I, you know, like I said, I just... I, I I wish I was surprised, but I'm just not. And that makes me sad that I'm not surprised.
3: Well, Wendy, I don't think they're going to get away with it in Alabama. I think that the districts are going to be redrawn the way that the court and the Supreme Court said they had to. And I think that uh, they're going to lose control over it. But I I also think it's good because we know this is their game. Democrats need to talk about it. We can't play dumb about it. This is straight up trying to take away the power of African-American taxpaying voters in the state of Alabama. They're doing it. And the more we talk about it the more people will get riled up and commit to voting themselves. We have to try to turn all this bad into something good. And you're doing it. Well, I like to think I'm doing my little part. You sure are. I like to think the same thing. Thank you so much for calling us tonight, Wendy. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I want to get to some other callers, though, before our next break. Adrian is calling from Florida. Welcome.
8: Hello. uh, Thank you for taking my call. Thank you, sir. Yeah, and uh, I... Kind of a new listener, newer listener to the station, and uh, I appreciate some of the info that I'm hearing. And the Alabama situation just made me think, like m- the the possibility of you know something in, that happened before my lifetime, or like maybe like around the time I was born in the mid '60s. Mm-hmm. You know, where you had all the integration of the schools in, in the late '50s and the '60s. And basically, the federal government had to uh, send either National Guard or military troops down to enforce those laws. And, you know, that there's a standoff possibility. Like, if Alabama really wants to go forward with this, uh, you know, contrary to the Supreme Court, they're just going to do whatever it wants to. You're going to have to... uh, Send down troops to enforce the voting rights
3: of these people. I mean, I hope and, it doesn't uh, come to that because again, they're not—they're not going to—they're not, not trying to deprive the people from voting, right? Like in this case, yeah. they're not keeping people from voting. They're just cutting up yeah, the but, districts so that so the black exactly, vote is but, diluted into larger districts.
8: Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, I can just see some sort of similarities to this. Like, you're going no, to have it. some sort of enforcement mechanism on this, and yeah. then uh, on the other uh, point that I wanted to raise is like being here in Florida uh, you know uh, you just get that sense that when I live in like a, what what I would call like a middle-class subdivision where 90% of these people are, or, you know, like 95% of these people are white and as I am and a lot of them are from up north and as I am and you know, they're they're the ones that are the most conservative money pumping people into the republican party as far as they the regular guys that live that grew up in florida you know they're just they're not as engaged as these people are it's true these no it's come always down true. from uh, new york and boston and uh you know or ohio west virginia like where i'm from and yeah. they come down here and uh they want to be uh republicans and you, you you if you're a democrat, I mean every once in a while I don't like to be political at the pool, but uh every once in a while you just have to say, "Hey, you know, I am a democrat." Good and, for you, uh, man. Good yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like
3: Are they you, respectful? You feel are they like respectful? A real outsider. What? But, but, but are no. they respectful? No, huh? Yeah. No. I know how it feels, and no, I'm sorry for it. It's total uh it's total uh brainwashing all the time from, you know. I know. But congratulations on having empathy for your fellow humans and not being in a cult. Well done. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) Thank you. Adrian, it's a pleasure to hear from you. Feel free to call any night. We'd love to hear from you again. Take care. 866-997-4748. Tanya in Tennessee. Hello and welcome.
4: Well, thank you very much, sir. Yes, I'm in Tennessee. Like all these other callers you've been getting, I live in the South and on top of all that, I'm a woman. I'm a woman right in, the south in the state of Tennessee. I'm sick and I'm tired from the day you're born as a woman in Tennessee. You were indoctrinated in your churches. Be submissive. Yep. Be submissive. Priest. I go to college. What am I taught in college? The undertone is you need to marry a man while you're in college. That's what you need yep. to do with your life. Marry you a rich man and make. don't worry about making your own money. You marry you a rich man. I'm just tired of it. I'm telling you, I'm tired of it. I, I hear you. I just, I'm tired of it. I want to be a woman and I want to be everything that I can be, and I want my sisters and I want the other women that I meet mean in the Walmart to be everything that they could be in this country, yes. and we have never been. I want to be able to control my own body in Tennessee and not let the government tell me what I can and can't do with my body. Yes. I want to see my picture of a woman on the currency in the United States of America. Damn and I right. Yes. It. I've had enough. I have yes. had enough.
3: How do I vote for you, ma'am? How do I how do I vote for you? Well,
4: you can't because I'm a woman in Tennessee. You can vote, for <laughs> Bloody Marcia Black. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, you have a har. State. Let's Marcia be fair. Blank.
3: You have a horrible, evil, fascist woman who was elected to high office in your state. So let's give her some credit for uh-huh. all of her evil. Do Tanya? I'm the child you're of a, a southern woman. I'm the grandchild of a southern woman. I love well, everything you you're saying right now. Yes, of course. I'm a feminist because I, I was. Ra- I'm a feminist because I was raised by southern women. God bless. You call uh, here I'm anytime.
4: Glad to hear. I'm- Go ahead and hear it. Thank you for letting me talk. Can you Thank and you go so going right on now.
3: Goodbye. Right on. I'm, 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 I'm. Wow. I'm in love. I'm too, wow. Whoo. I'm in love. That just happened right here on the air. You're, you're. You, call call you it. the week. I'm, I'm nailing it. It's call the week. I'm, put her on the podcast, please. That was it. I'm, let's set her to ba- a beat and make her a rap diss track. I loved her. She, she's filling in for you when you're away. You know, oh, she can do it. Sorry, Max Burns. <laughs> she could take over. Just grab the mic from Naira Hawk. <laughs> that, it was, that was a great call, Bruce in California. Hi, thanks for waiting on hold. Welcome.
9: Uh, oh, how's it going? What's up, man? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, in 1965, um, Frank Sinatra did an interview with uh, Life Magazine and called he called Tony Bennett the best. So
3: I know he was, sure did. Yeah, and Tony Bennett loved and Sinatra. Yes,
9: yeah. and I I was looking up his discography. His very first song was number. He had a number one out of the box, and his first twenty uh, songs he released as forty fives or singles were all top twenty. So, I several number ones.
3: And and but, he uh, did I, so much. He turned. He got so, so many lame white people got to experience and learn to love jazz because of Tony Bennett.
9: Yeah, exactly. And I loved him when he uh, uh, when he he was on Howard Stern. Yeah. Talking about it, yeah. His interviews on Howard Stern.
3: Yeah, just uh, great. And that's who he really was. I only met him once, and we hung out backstage at the Grammys, and he was just just a cool guy, but he was a bodhisattva. He was a painter. He was a meditator. He had evolved so much, and he just loved people. He had this incredible power. He never got cynical, and he loved people. He was so warm to... He was warm to my film crew. He was just a great guy. Have you seen John... Have yeah. you seen the video that was making the rounds today of Tony Bennett in the studio with
5: Amy Winehouse?
3: Yes, it's beautiful. I've seen it many it's, times. It's great.
5: And the way that he... She's clearly freaking out. She's and clearly it's freaking this, out. And he's... He's empathic. It's one of the last recording sessions she did while alive. And um, but he is so... Caring and and he's definitely he's like he's so trying to make her comfortable.
3: He gets and all put of Put her
5: in a zone that she needs to be
3: in. But but again, and, Tony Bennett was an addict for years. Like Tony Bennett was addicted for years, so he had that empathy. If you watch that movie Amy, which won the Oscar, it has the whole scene, and she is just. Uh, not just she's intimidated by him, she's not right. And Tony knows she's intimidated by him, and Tony knows she's not right. And he's someone who's been there and has been in recovery, and you see how he completely just gives her all of his attention. He's totally calm. He's so fatherly to her. And then Amy Winehouse recovers, and she delivers and nails the song. It's amazing.
5: You ever influenced by Dinah Washington? It's just like like he knows the buttons to push, he knows knows the strings to pull, and
3: it's perfect. And Dinah Washington, by the way, Dinah Jams is one of the five greatest live albums ever recorded. I will s- s- say that anywhere. Yeah, I, I just and so much great music. And again, everyone, I, I so recommend that MTV Unplugged just to hear the kind of stuff he was doing in his late sixties for a young audience and how he made it work. It, it's there's nothing like it out there. You're a fan, I guess, Bruce? Huh?
9: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But and I, I uh, well, I don't know if this is non-popular opinion, but. I think I've told you this one before. I prefer Dean Martin over Frank Sinatra. Not that I have anything against Frank Sinatra, but... <laughs> I get it.
3: I get it. I'm hearing you. Yeah. yeah.
9: But um, I did call about um, Florida. I'm surprised Please. they didn't also tell them that uh, they got free room and board. <laughs> you
3: know, I, yeah, a free, free boat ride, too, to get there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know. It's and, but again, I, I as awful absolutely. as it is, it's like fantastic. You just got 10 more good people okay. to promise they'll show up and vote. There are women and young people and non-white people and lame, straight white guys who give a damn, who are disgusting disgusted by all this. The more racist and cynical the Republicans get, they don't draw any new voters. They're all competing for the same MAGA bowl. They're not going beyond MAGA and MAGA is less than one quarter of the whole population because they're dopes. Bruce, thank you very much. Safe driving. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of your calls. This is Progress After Dark. God bless Tony Bennett. Dean is calling from California. Dean, thanks for waiting on hold. you on Sirius uh,
0: Good XM. evening, John. Hello. You're quite welcome. Uh, I, uh, well, first off, let me just, I do have something to point out about Tony Bennett. But I was going nice. to mention, you know, that uh, I, I do feel that, you know, the GOP candidates certainly do have a problem when it comes to trying to appeal to a younger crowd. But I was kind of surprised to hear that, like the Mike Pence campaign, uh, they're doing what they can to try to open up to like the Gen Z crowd. Uh, they announced <laughs> they're they're, <laughs> they're going to uh, start a show called uh, Hanging with Mr. Pence. I had no idea. Wow. It sounds great. <laughs> okay. Every week, now back Every week, Mr. Pence can explain
3: stuff. you all the sins that are going to drive you to hell so the kids can enjoy themselves and weep together. You get to oh hang ahead. with him.
0: No. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, thank you. Or thank not. You. No, um, but incidentally, uh, it seems every time we lose somebody uh, uh, notable like Today I uh, I always call with yet another story but I drove Tony Bennett to
3: the Grammys. Really? A few years Man. back, <laughs> yeah. What year what year? Do you remember what year? Uh I, I saw Tony ago. Bennett. Oh, okay. I saw I, Tony Bennett play with a full band at the Grammys, but it was longer than that. Yeah. Go ahead, tell me what tell no, me the well, story. I, well, here's the amazing
0: thing. You drive somebody who's performing that's like getting the golden ticket. So, uh, yeah. you know, they, they don't, the cops are all around going, go away, go away. They see the pass for that. Oh, my God. They guide you in, park you up in a special spot, VIP. And we have to go to the, to the uh, rehearsal the night before. So I drove Tony. He's in there doing his thing. A few hours later, I see him walk outside the door of the back, you know, the back of the uh, stage. And right. I think, oh, maybe he's done. But I walk up and go, so, hey, Mr. Bennett, you ready to go? And he goes, no, I'm just taking a breather. It's so hot inside. You want to come in?
3: <laughs> uh, this is right? Uh, he's just, you, 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 you don't need him. You me. just you hang out with him. You instantly <laughs> hang with Tony Bennett. Go on, please. I was hanging with Mr. Bennett. Yes. And uh,
0: he goes, you want to come in and check it out? I am I, uh, I don't have a pass. See, no, nonsense. And he walks over to the security and goes, um, hey there, this is Dean, my, my security. <laughs> <laughs> Let me in. And then Gatsby walks up. Who? Lady Gaga.
3: There you go. Yeah.
0: And he goes, "Oh, hey, Lady Gaga. This is Dean. Dean, this is Lady Gaga." Oh, like crap! I, I uh, went. My mind went completely blank. Like <laughs> I couldn't speak. It's a great. Story. I can't believe this, but yes, what an amazing guy. He sat in the passenger seat next to me. He gabbed oh. all about. All, it was just what a wonderful
3: guy he was. You got a gift, man. You got a great gift.
0: Ah, uh, thank you. I'll give you my yeah. Barbie story next time.
3: All right. I appreciate it, Dean. Thank you so much for the call. I love your story. Okay. Have a great one. 866-997-GRIT. Mike in Georgia. Welcome.
7: Hello. I don't have any good Tony Bennett stories. I've got some good <laughs> yeah, make turn one up. out the vote stories.
3: Tell me a good turn out the vote story. That's what my heart needs.
7: Okay. I moved to Cobb County, Georgia in 1995. I wanted to do something political. I've never done it in my whole life. Join the Cobb Democratic Party. And I'd say, what can I do? And they say, find a candidate and go knock on doors with him. which I did. And Cobb County used to be one of the strongest Republican counties in the country. We had Newt Gingrich. We had yeah. Bob Barr, the head of the John Birch Society. Wow. And hardly any Democrats here. No reason to go out and vote because the Republicans got huge majorities. So Democrats just kind of
3: pulled bother. the
7: covers over their heads. If they I wanted know. to write a check, it went out of state. So depressing. But after depressing. knocking on doors for a while, I discovered a lot of people going, a Democrat? I thought I was the only one. Mm-hmm. And I checked the voting history of the district. I go, no, you are in an area that is 70% Democrat. All your neighbors are Democrat. Go smile and say hello to them. That's I right. had people who, I said, don't you know any Democratic neighbors? They said, we don't have any. On Friday nights, we go down the street, and everybody has a drink at Jim Bob's house, and Jim Bob is a nasty Republican, (laughs) but we want to get out of the house. We want to do something. And I said, you don't realize how many Democrats are in the area, and you're sucking up to a Republican. It's not necessary. Yeah, I know. And Cobb wow, that's the time. gaslighting,
3: right? That's the gaslighting. It's designed to make you think you're crazy and you're the only one. It's designed to divide and conquer and make you feel like, what's the point? Let's play it safe and the keep our mouth shut.
7: Evolved over time as more Democrats moved into the county. Yeah. A lot of them uh, African-American. And a lot of them just white kids out of college. So it took Hillary Clinton winning in that county for people to go... What's going on? This is not supposed to happen. Republicans were concerned, too, thought somebody was cheating. What's Hillary doing winning the county? And next thing you know, uh, Stacey Abrams wins. And then Warnock wins. Then Ossoff wins. And if they'd only known before, we could have had a whole lot bigger turnout. There's probably a lot of Democrats in this county who don't turn out to vote because they believe in the. Stereotype,
3: But don't you mentioned Stacey Abrams, you mentioned Stacey Abrams, and I, I wish she had one because she's the one who said, stop trying to convert Donald Trump voters. They're never going to come back. Get out there and get people who don't vote, get people who've become citizens in the last couple of years, get people who have turned 18 in the last couple of years. You're not going to convert the Trumpers. And she didn't win, but I still believe that she was right in that approach. Mike, thank you so much for the call. I really appreciate it. Go ahead. Go ahead.
7: Oh, her opponent in the primary was from Cobb County. Her name was Stacy Evans. She's yes. so bright, so She's personable. She's great.
3: Yeah, I Do like Stacey Evans met... a lot.
7: Oh, have you ever seen her campaign movie, 16 Houses?
3: I have never seen it, but I'll I'll look it up. Uh, I thought I, I thought she was a really good candidate. I remember the Battle of the Stacys. It was quite a year.
7: Stacey Evans shows up at Cobb Democratic Party, monthly meeting shows that 16 houses video, I'm so overwhelmed. I said, this woman is going to win the primary for Democratic Party right out of check on the spot. The next month, Stacey Abrams shows up, and I go, oh, my God, I'm looking at our next governor. And Hmm. I think she was, but uh, I haven't been able to find the Stacey Abrams political video. If you can find it, it's impressive, too.
3: I'll 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 look out for it, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so so much for calling us. Um, let me go to Bill in New York. Bill, welcome. Thanks for your patience on hold.
1: Hi, John. Um, uh, following up um, on your reference earlier to the Gullibles, please. And uh, you know maybe Bruce and uh, Dean in California know something about this, but uh, I was at uh, my wife had, uh, took me to a graduation party recently. She, prepared me for the gullibles and the MAGA people there. So I, I did bring my cell phone in case I had to fact check anything. And, <laughs> and it it turns out that um, I unfortunately got into a discussion about uh, crime in the suburbs, which is uh, virtually non-existent, but they love to talk about it. Okay, And uh, uh, it ended up uh, with a citation that, um, In California, because of Proposition 47, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. It might be old news because it was a couple years ago. But Proposition 47 uh, made a $950 theft, like uh, shoplifting. Shoplifting. Yeah, I remember this. Or or, or larceny or something like that. It it, it, uh, changed from felony to a misdemeanor. Yeah. Um, but, but apparently the word has uh, gotten out that, um, uh, uh, you, you're not going to be prosecuted for 900, you know, the police are not even going to show up. And, uh, and, you know, it's, once again, it's, um, you know, being soft on crime. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, they allowed me to, uh, I said, this is so preposterous, you know, <laughs> I said, how can you be so gullible that this is, this, is, this could actually be the fact. So. So I did. I did Google it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and they they kind of accepted that you know Snopes was right. But oh. but later on, um, I um, you know I pursued it, and it turns out that Adam Carolla, I
3: I has he been on your show or um, no? I, I I've known Adam for many years, but he's never done this show before.
1: Well, he kind of promoted this um, this. Um, shibboleth that uh, that uh, you will well, not, he, he said something to the effect uh, that, um, well, Californians, you uh, you got what you wanted, you know, uh, $950, um, the police aren't even going to go after you. Uh-huh. I was kind of uh, shocked, but, but on the other hand, maybe since he's a comedian, maybe he just thought, it, you know, for comic effect, he'd see how many people
3: were gullible enough to believe this crap i don't know i mean i don't know adam is not a. I don't want would, we could talk about adam all night and adam's politics i, I don't know oh, enough so about it to comment on yeah yeah oh, i don't know okay, enough about right. it I, adam walks a line um and i don't know enough about what he said about this to to, to comment on it but all um, right I, I thought maybe you'd um, be it able seems to like the play. whole of the original prop was all just about trying to not be soft on crime but to dismantle the mass incarceration phenomenon we have in this country to make it harder to disenfranchise people and take away their voting rights by saying they were a felony when they shoplifted and instead that should be a misdemeanor so you can Uh, call it soft on crime i call it nice on taxpayers because mass incarceration costs us 75 billion dollars a year no
1: no doubt about it and you know it takes a load off the courts too if these are misdemeanors i mean uh, if you shoplift, even if you're shoplifting uh, a bottle of Gatorade like that uh, guy did down in, uh, you know, uh, CBC in, in, in New York City, uh, yeah. you, you're still going to be prosecuted. I mean, you can you can spend up to six months in jail. It's just Ugh. that, uh, you know, it's no longer a, a felony if it's under a certain threshold. Right. But, on. Uh, but the gullibles, you know, they'll believe anything.
3: <laughs> Don't I know it. Bill, thank you so much for the call. Really, really appreciate it. Chris, do we have time for one more quick call. Yeah, one more. One more, Brian in Oregon, really quick, before the break. Hey, hi. Um, hi.
5: um. I think Tony Bennett uh, marched with Dr. King, and uh, I think Harry yes. Paglifonte
3: had the same thing. He sure thing. did. He sure um, did. In Selma.
5: In Selma. That's what I was thinking. I'm trying to remember. Was it Selma to uh, Mon- uh, Birmingham? I can't remember what the hell it was. It was quite a quite a group of people that were Selma helping Selma to Montgomery. Uh, yeah. Yeah okay montgomery um Georgia, uh florida i'm thinking uh the uh, just how brilliant slavery was uh um debacle i think that has to do with i'm guessing it in my in my head it's uh, about reparations and how they weren't so bad off why do you need pay, pay these people reparations
3: who? Which debacle is this that people? Well, it's in
5: I'm, Florida with the, the the educational thing, and they got the uh, elementary and I think right, but it's junior
3: high. What does it have to do with reparations, though? This is this well, I is think trying it's to. Tied into this the is the whole m- of, minimize, uh, minimizing the barbarity of slavery. Exactly. This is make, yeah, letting they, white people we, off they the hook.
5: weren't so badly treated. Yeah. We, oh, the slaves were happy. We, these people they got valuable
3: job skills thing. for the day they went and looked for jobs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> exactly. They
5: can dig a good ditch in a swamp. So what the hell?
3: Hmm. You got it. It's disgusting.
5: And just a footnote? Yes. Uh, I called Rick Scott's uh, uh, office. Well, got a voicemail. Anyways, he. Uh, I, I, uh, now he's got somebody on there telling him that uh, if it was so great, uh, maybe he should try being shackled and uh, <laughs> forth labor and have his his uh, family ripped away from him.
3: Brian, we got to go, but I, I thank you very much for the call. This is Sirius XM. I'm John saying Peace.